Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good people. Ah, yeah, you know what it is. Hard worker, scrappy, unfiltered, and sometimes unhinged football content. Hard to explain, but you know it when you see it. Doing it daily, our way. I don't know what you're talking about right now. Redraft and Dynasty Fantasy Football, we got you covered. You know their defense is ranked like 31st in the NFL? NFL draft prospects and rookies? Now you know you in the right place for that. Absolutely. All right, then stop saying it. Then we're done. And prop bets with my man Jay Rich. Count that money, man. Now wipe the crust out of your eyes. Get you a cup of coffee. It's time to wake your ass up with Ray G. You honestly are making absolutely no sense and you sound silly as hell. Ah, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good people. It is Wednesday, February the 16th, 2022. Y'all know who it is, it's your boy Ray G, and I am glad you woke your ass up with me and my boy, my man Jay Rich. Jay, how you doing, baby? I'm good. You know, we were monitoring the comments. It was hilarious. People are talking about, oh, what jersey is Ray going to wear today? What hat is he going to wear? Apparently, my outfit just isn't cool enough. No one wants to guess what I'm wearing on a regular basis. But happy to be here. It's Q&A day. We got lots yeah. of good questions today, so I think it's going to be a good show. So we got to say good morning to the people. We got Mike in the building, Jeff, Five Star Pete, Dave, Jake, Paul, Big Shy, Alex in the building, Shane Joe. Shout out to the Heisman members, Hot Damn, Ricardo, Terrence always in the building. Shorts is here. Rico, our girl Joe in the building. It's going to be a good one, man. Oh, I thought it was Brees Hall in the building. That's Brian Hall. I was about to say Brees Hall. Close. Brees Hall. Brees Hall's dad in the building. But check it. But real talk, though, uh, Isaiah Spiller's dad. Isaiah Spiller's dad yeah. reached out to me um, and just said he appreciate. He watches the show. He appreciates the Dope. love that we give his son. That's it, It's a cool thing, man, like. I try really, really hard, and I'm sure you all can go dig up some areas where I completely did not do this, but I try really hard not to, like, shit on prospects and players. Like, there's some players that I like more than others. There's some players that I wouldn't be investing in in fantasy football, but one of the things I try not to do is just ragtag on guys, man. There's been so many times, Jay, since I've been doing this over the past three years where, like, Najee Harris has reached out to just say, yo, appreciate the love. Or someone's dad or mother reaches out, DMs, and says, thank you for uh, the, the, the the love you've shown my son. So I try to build the bridges, not just burn them completely down. Um, but I'm sure I've, I've, I've fallen short of that goal from time to time. But, um, dude, completely random. Let me give you all a pro tip. Smell good. Smelling good is a pro tip. Like, I, I, I my... My wife got me this new cologne, bro, and trust me, we have no sponsorship from Dior. I wish, but I'm sure Dior is not sponsoring the Wake Up Show. But, bro, this right here, this Dior Sauvage, oh my, dude, it smells like it, it, women love a good smelling man, and, and, and ladies, we like our women to smell good, too. You got to upgrade from Bath and Body Works, so, like, I'm here Bro, I, the whole time pre-show, I'm looking through the fragrance. I'm like sniffing the fragrance thing. I'm just like, man, I got to get this one. I got to get this YSL. Pro tip, keep these uh, fragrance magazines. Watch me get freaking demonetized by showing this. Keep these fragrance <laughs> magazines. Smelling good is a pro tip. I, I love it, man. It's just, it makes you feel like an adult, man. When you walk in and you yep. know you smell good. You're like, yeah, that's me. I know I smell good walking past you in my in my cubicle to my office. Neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. We are excited. This is the show that we give back to the people. We engage with y'all. Uh, Q&A. I don't look at them. I saw some that came through. There were a couple on YouTube. Um, I hope you pulled the one on YouTube where I told somebody I specifically was going to answer that question. Um, didn't. I you did not pull it. Okay. Did not see that. <laughs> I am sorry. Uh, somebody actually took the time to to do what we asked and ask a question on YouTube. And the producer of the show, uh, Jordan, let us all down. He did not pull the question. I will try to find it as you're answering something because I definitely want to get to his question. Um, but what we got today, man, any, any football news outside of um, the small account tweeting that Hollywood Brown is going That's... to step away from football to... Yeah, uh, that was... That was the weirdest thing. You know, it's like an unverified, unreported source. Someone just saying Hollywood Brown's going to retire because he's been streaming. Now, it's funny because I actually listened to an interview with Hollywood Brown on the Trust Levels podcast with Cameron Jordan and Mark Ingram. And he actually did talk about 
streaming and how he's really into video games and all this stuff. So not to say that there's a correlation there, but it was definitely not surprising to me after listening to that podcast, you know, probably about six months, nine months ago. Super Derek, chat. Super Derek, chat. Derek, in the Derek is, man, Derek has paid you 15 freaking bucks. <laughs> Derek, this is the only way I can keep you, Jay Derek. on the show. Once a week, that $5 payment allows Jay Rich to continue to not follow instructions and pull the questions that people actually list on YouTube. We appreciate you. I'm sorry for interrupting you, Jay. I, it's the, I got the coffee with the shot of espresso in it this morning, so I'm feeling good, baby. Go ahead. So the thing about Hollywood Brown is I'm curious your thoughts on this, Ray, because the longevity of a streamer even five years ago is not what it could be now. But then in the same breath, if Hollywood isn't an elite receiver making like 20 million a year, he maybe might be better off going the streaming route. Now, the clear correlation here is he so happens to be Antonio Brown's cousin. So is that influencing his decision at all? Does he want to step away from football with his cousin in solidarity? I don't know. It seems like a power move. People are talking about him supporting Kyler because Kyler's causing all kinds of trouble saying he wants to leave or he doesn't want to leave. It's just a weird situation overall in the NFL. Okay, so first of all, I am not going to perpetuate fake news anymore. I have done a good job of spreading lies and misinformation on this show in the month of February, so I'm not going to do that anymore. But let's just roll with this narrative for a second. I would not blame him one bit from for if if he could make the streamers make ridiculous amounts of money, ridiculous amounts of money. Right now, first part of this equation, somebody in the comments uh, under that tweet said the dude averages 150 views per stream. So that ain't going to cut it. Right. Like if you're only that's not going to cut it. But but let's just say he can make equal to comparable money that he does in the NFL without having to put his body through that, I'd do it in a heartbeat, man. You know, we sit back and we love to watch the game, right? We love to watch it. We play fantasy football. We love any sport, man. It's a job for those dudes, man. It's a legitimate job. Um, and yep. I'm not I'm not going to, to name drop, but you know I had a meeting with a very – like renowned athlete last week, right? Uh, Hall of Fame mm-hmm. baseball player, right? Locked and loaded, yes, sir. Hall of Fame baseball player, uh, World Series champ, and he was saying, "Dude, I don't even like talking about that. Like, that's like when I'm off work, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to like, I don't like they. It, we are like, why would you give it up when you've been doing it your entire life? At some point, you're like, man, screw this shit, man. Like, if I can do something else." I don't want to have to deal with the grind. I don't want to want to put my body through the the punishment. I wouldn't blame him one bit. Like I legitimately would not blame him one bit. He he did it. He made his money. He's been in the NFL long enough where he's got pension, so he's going to get a check for the rest of his life. If it is true, which the probability is probably like 99% BS and then 1% truth in there, probably 99.9% BS, right? From that source at this moment. But I, it wouldn't I wouldn't blame him one bit, man. Like, I legitimately wouldn't blame if If all I had to do for the rest of my life was wake up with you and talk for an hour and make the same amount of money as I do when I have to drive in an hour to work and deal with all these meetings and do all that bullshit, I'd much rather do this than that. But I, I'm not in a position to do that right now. So if he is in that position, what does that do? For let's just really quickly, what does that do for Rashad Bateman? What does that do for Lamar Jackson? I mean, Bateman to the freaking moon, right? If this is yep, in fact has true. To be. Yeah. Has to be. It has to be because Bateman will be the only guy there at that point. They don't have anyone tangible who can catch passes. They probably would be it'd probably be good for Devin Duvernay too, because you figure he could fit into that deeper target role. I think it boosts Mark Andrews and it ultimately probably hurts Lamar Jackson. One of Mar- one of Lamar Jackson's best weapons was Hollywood Brown to get downfield and make big plays. But another thing that's kind of surprising to me is like I'm thinking about this more in like the landscape of what it means to be an NFL player. And I'm almost surprised we haven't seen players leverage that fame into another career path where they don't have to get hit and they don't some have are. to deal with the some kind are. of football I, I know like Darrington Evans, Austin Eckler, yeah. some are doing it it's smart now somebody said he's not going to be able to make the 30 40 million uh streaming i don't know what kind of extension hollywood was about to get he's already got his rookie deal right i mean yeah. would he get paid that much i mean i i don't know man maybe 
Maybe. Maybe. But neither here, neither here nor there. I'm with you. It's it's about leveraging your platform. I don't know enough about his streaming capabilities to discuss that. Like I said, 99.999% sure it's BS, but in the off chance that it's real, let us have some fun. All we've got from now until the start of football season is rumor, speculation, and mistruth. So let's just have some fun with it while we're here. Don't take it as Bible. But if there are people in your league who believe that to be the case and they have Lamar Jackson and you have a Rashad Bateman or you've got Bateman and people are, hey, go shop them. This is an opportunity. Uh, even if it's off of fake news, it's an opportunity to either buy Hollywood on the low or sell Rashad Bateman on the high, man. But let's 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 get into the questions, man. Let's get into the questions. First question is from our boy Rico. And I, I'm almost surprised he's asking this question because we talk about it a lot. But okay. what's the difference between a good route runner and a route running specialist? Or a separation specialist, as you would call it. Um. Uh, well, I think Andrew Hawkins. Do you remember Andrew Hawkins from the Bengals? I mean, a I A little bit, yeah. That means no. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) when you run, when you're a good route runner, right? Like when you're a good route runner, you should create separation, right? Like good route runners should be able to separate. But some wide receivers who aren't good route runners still can create separation. And the, the, the best examples of that, we just saw an example of that in the Super Bowl, right? And whether you call it, like we're not here to to talk about should a penalty have been called. But the 75-yard touchdown that T. Higgins caught, Jalen Ramsey was right there. And then right at the point of catch, Higgins, whatever he does, pull, hand position, he creates the space at the catch point in order to, to separate himself from the defensive back and make the reception. Jamar Chase put a master class of that on the entire season. Go look at the game. I think it was Week 16 versus the Chiefs. Traverius Ward is all over him. Right before the ball gets to him, Chase, you know, shoulder lean, hand, creates a separation, catches the ball. The route wasn't anything special. I mean, the defensive back was in his hip. He was in phase, in his hip. But at the catch point, he was able to create that separation. And when you're looking at those wide receivers, like a Drake, like Jamison Williams isn't a great route runner, but he creates so much separation because of his speed, because of his ability to accelerate and decelerate at the drop of a dime. Drake London at the catch point. Des Bryant was another per. And it's so funny that Jamar Chase said he modeled his game after Des Bryant. At the start of 2021, I said, Jamar Chase, yes, I see separation concerns through the route, but I said it also doesn't matter. He wins very similar as how Des Bryant won, right? With power, with physicality. Uh, with just that dog to go get the ball. And you see a lot of good wide receivers who can create that separation know how to do it in ways that look much different than a Jerry Judy. They look much different than a Keenan Allen, right? Um, so so that's that's the difference between just – I don't care as much about how the route looks. You just need to be able to create separation in one of three phases at the wide receiver. Off the line of scrimmage – in the route or at the catch point. If you can create separation from the defensive back in one of those three quadrants of the field, in one of those three areas of the route, I'm good with it, man. I don't I don't care how aesthetically pleasing it looks. Just be able to separate at the time that you need to separate in order to give the quarterback a window to throw the ball. Okay, so uh, enough patting yourself on the back. Let's get to the next question. Do you think Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller can be top 12 running backs in half PPR? In their career or this season? We'll say in their career. We'll say in their first yes. two to three years. I do. I do. Because you, you're going to have people, you're going to have some of those top running backs fall out. I mean, look at Saquon Barkley. I, I I saw some stuff where Saquon Barkley's not even being valued as a top, like he's like RB14, RB15, J.K. Dobbins ahead of him, all these like... By the time Brees Hall and Isaiah Spiller hit their stride, you know, year two, year three, I don't know if we'll be drafting Dalvin Cook inside the top 12. I don't know if we'll be drafting Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara and Ezekiel Elliott inside that top 12. So I 100% believe there is room for both of those running backs to ascend into that top 12, right? I don't have the ADP in front of me, but I'm, I'm just going to assume Dalvin Cook, Zeke Elliott, uh, 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 Alvin Kamara, 
I don't know if Aaron Jones is up there. Joe Mixon, by the time two, three years comes around, I 100% believe those are the two running backs out of this 2022 class that I think can crack uh, that top 12 in, in Dynasty, 100%. Dynasty fantasy football, I, I do believe that to be the case. So the second part of this question is, would you draft either of them over Traylon Burks? But remember, this is in half PPR, not in full PPR. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, I'd probably draft them over Traylon Burks in PPR formats. It's running back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. So next question is this gentleman, Antoine, was wondering your thoughts on Jamar Chase and whether you'd trade him away for a lower tier wide receiver plus some pieces. And so his example was Waddle and an early 2020 first and a 23 first. Or sorry, an early 2022 first, 23 first. So you're down tiering. You go Jamar Chase to Waddle and you pick up a first in return. I know you would probably prefer the 23 first, knowing what we know about the 23 class. But what are your thoughts on tiering down from Jamar Chase in Dynasty right now with his value being so high? So this is this is a shout out to the 4D chess guys, uh, Adam and Mike. And this is this is what they preach. They always preach tearing down off of the elite wide receivers. Um, would I do it? Sure, I would. But I, I would need to get Waddle, Higgins, CeeDee Lamb. Like, because right now the top two wide receivers in, in fantasy football in Dynasty are Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. So if you're telling me I can get Jalen Waddle, you said plus two first round picks for Jamar Chase? He said he said his example was one first, so a 23 first or a 22 first. I would I, I get why you would do that. I understand why you would do that. I don't know if I could do that, right? Like, I, I don't know if I could do that. Like, the, the best example of what I've done, I sold Jamar Chase for CeeDee Lamb and Cam Akers in a PPR league. I Chase teared down to CeeDee Lamb and then got Cam Akers. Felt a lot better about it at the time, opposed to how Akers kind of looked towards the stretch, but the offensive line was bad. I'm not putting it all on Akers. I, I think it's a smart play. I'd rather... I'd rather tear down to like two proven assets opposed to like the random dart throw with the with the with the pick so if you're telling me all right ray i'll, I'll give you jalen waddle and jk dobbins uh cd lamb and travis etn uh you know waddle and etn t higgins and etn yes i would make that move uh i, I would make that move i think in in, in dynasty having that depth and having still those high end assets, there's something to be said about the two for one deal. So if I could make that tier down, I would do it. I wouldn't be as inclined to do it with just picks. We were talking about it last night um, in the discord. I, I'm looking at the 2023 class and I know that we are very excited about it, but I started like positioning the players, right? Okay. Bijan, I think Stroud is going to be QB1 when it's all said and done over Bryce Young. Like, that's just hot. People think it's hot. I don't think it's as hot as it should be. I think Stroud going into the season is my quarterback one. You've got Bryce Young, uh, Jameer Gibbs, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. But I'm trying to figure out where the cutoff point is. Like, you really want one of those top five, top six picks in 2023. I think it's we're valuing it at like ridiculously all-time high levels. But I don't know when it's all said and done if all 12 of those first-round picks are just gold. Like, I don't know. I'm not going to go that far and say that. So instead of tearing down to to an unknown, could be the damn 111 in 2023, give me two young players who have the talent to be top five at their position, and I'd make the tear down. Yeah, I'd do that. Yeah, I'm with you. I think my cutoff right now is about seven guys from what we've seen so far. Now, that will probably go up a little bit, but I'd say about seven for sure locked and loaded that I really, really like um, as far as 23 class goes. And uh, your boy McNutted, host of the 4D Chess Podcast with Adam, how much does draft capital factor into your evaluation process post-draft, right? You know, uh, this is kind of a general question. You talked about wide receiver going in the first round, who we ranked, let's say, at 10 or 11 versus the number one, number two wide receiver going in the second round, let's say 20 spots later. How does that kind of factor in? And it's a hard question for you because our process is subjective, right? It's not an empirical process where we're actually saying this pick is worth this value. And so it probably doesn't factor in that much, but how do you kind of factor that in when you're talking about draft capital? Man, this is a tough question. Um, round one, you're, you're guaranteed the opportunity. You know what I mean? That It doesn't guarantee you success, 
but it pretty much guarantees you the opportunity. You're going to play at some point, right? Even even the kill Harry had the opportunity to be the guy. Day two, good shot at the opportunity, right? Like just out the gate, good shot to get on the field, good shot to play. Michael Pittman Jr., T. Higgins, uh, LaVisca Chanel got the opportunity. Now, whether they succeed or fail, good shot at the opportunity. Round three, round four after that, like day three, you got to have the talent, the work ethic, and some cards got to break right in order for you to probably get the benefit of the doubt to walk in as the third guy in the drills, to walk in as the number two guy in the drills and have that opportunity. So how much does it play into, into my process? If you're drafted rounds one and two, you, you, there, there's going to be little movement. If I had you ranked as the top wide receiver and you're drafted in round one or two, you're probably going to stay the top top wide receiver in my opinion. If I had you as a top guy and then you go round three, round four, then I'm going to adjust a little bit. Like you said, I don't have a number value chart in front of me. I think at that point in time, I look at what I how I graded them on their film score, like look at the draft capital, what's their competition look like in front of them, and then sort of rearrange it from there. But outside of somebody completely just falling out of you know, a lot of people thought Brevin Jordan, the tight end out of Miami, would be like a second-round pick. A lot of people believe that, right? And then he goes, what, like sixth, seventh round, something super yep. late like that. Like when you have that big of a value draft capital gap, that's got to factor in, man. Like you can't you, you can't in your right mind have Brevin Jordan ranked ahead of Pat Fryermuth when Pat Fryermuth got second-round draft capital. And I don't know, but I know that – the the, the 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 viewers will let me know if I was right on that, but I think he was a late pick. I know he was late, right? Like, Brevin Jordan, yeah, he was fifth or sixth round. Yeah, sure. I can't I can't justify having him over Pat Fryermuth when he was drafted for the NFL. That team passed on him four or five times, and then finally said, "Damn it, you know he's still sitting there. Let's take him." Uh, so a cup a round really doesn't affect anything. You start going a two round value gap, three round. That's definitely going to shift how I view those players. So right now, let's just let's put it into context. Isaiah Spiller, RB1 for me, right? Isaiah Spiller, Brees Hall, Kyron Williams, Kenneth Walker, all those guys go round two, round three. Isaiah Spiller falls to the back of the fourth. He's drafted in the fifth round. Like Brees Hall, immediately, that, that, that draft capital is going to guarantee him an opportunity early. He 100%, without even thinking about it, he bumps up to that RB1 spot. I'm not dismissing Spiller, but he's got to move down. Like, I'm not going to have him as RB1 and advise people to draft him ahead of a player who's probably going to get the opportunity to get on the field right away. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And I think I think the most obvious debate for me is I'm looking back to Kadarius Tony versus Amon Ross St. Brown. Kadarius Tony, a player that a lot of people like talent-wise, but no one thought he was a first-round pick. They thought maybe second, maybe third. And Amon Ra was locked and loaded second-round pick, and he goes in the fourth round. And so you're asking yourself, do you believe what NFL teams believe? Because to your point, that draft capital is faith in a player to hit and be a producer in the NFL level. And if you were to go into our prospect talk database done by Jordan Backus, he's made hit rate tables that tell you if a player with this type of metric goes in this round at this time, these are their chances of hitting. And that is a sliding scale from the top in the first round all the way down to the seventh round. Those hit rates only go down. And for just so people are aware, it's about top 100 picks is where you want your players to be is where the hit rates really drop off. Once you get to the fourth round and beyond, they really, really fall off. So in the top 100, whether it's running back or wide receiver, that's where you want your top prospects to be. So, now, so, so, so everybody keeps saying Mitchell versus Sermon. Y'all are looking at the results, not the process. You go back to the summer, Trey Sermon did have the opportunity. Trey Sermon was yep. running with the ones in camp. He had the opportunity to be the guy. He got outplayed. That's what happened with Trey Sermon versus Elijah Mitchell. He got outplayed so, like, big time by Elijah Mitchell, he didn't even get a shot when the season rolled around. But if you go back to minicamp, to OTAs, to training camp, Trey Sermon had the opportunity. There were reports, oh, Trey Sermon running with the ones. Trey Sermon yeah. looking good. Trey Sermon taking, taking, the, taking the first team reps. But all of a sudden, that narrative started to dwindle down as they put the pads on and they got rolling, and he was outplayed. So the opportunity was 100% there for Trey Sermon, and that's what I said. It's going to give you the opportunity. Whether you seize and capitalize on that opportunity and make good on it, clearly it didn't happen for him. He was outplayed by Mitchell, but Sermon 100% had the opportunity uh, to be the guy. He just got outplayed.
Yeah, and now talking about Elijah Mitchell, let's go to Marcus's question in the chat here. He's asking about how does Trey Lance impact Elijah Mitchell, and would you take the 106? I'm assuming it's for Elijah Mitchell. Uh, you know, Matt Kelly, the podfather, talks about, he calls it the Alfred Morris corollary, where you've got Ooh. rushing quarterback um, helping out running back. You know, when you're running those zone reads, and that's, you know, Washington and that Shanahan tree, they do a really good job of creating running schemes with athletic mobile quarterbacks. I mean, uh, I think Trey Lance is going to be awesome this season in fantasy. I, I am very excited about what Trey Lance is going to do. And I, listen, they only have two running backs under contract right now. It's Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. Every time Elijah Mitchell was healthy, the dude was getting 20-plus touches a game, and he was producing, yep. right? I think he walks into the season as a starter. If anything, I think it helps Mitchell out. The, the threat of Trey Sermon pulling it out of uh, Elijah Mitchell's belly and running around the corner would Trey be Lance. just enough to – Trey Lance. What I say? Trey Sermon? Trey Lance yeah. pulling it and then running around the corner only freezes the linebackers and makes them think a second. So would I trade 106 for Elijah Mitchell? Probably not because if it's a super flex league, I mean 106 could easily be a spiller. Or it was a – uh... So it was one QB, and I think it was reverse, right? So would you trade away Elijah Mitchell for the 106? In one QB, it's, it's probably gonna... not. I think you because at that point, Traylon's gone, Spiller's gone, Hall is gone, uh, Garrett Wilson gone is gone, probably Kenneth Walker is off the board. So now you're looking at like a, a London, a, a J-Mo, uh, a Kyron, a Rashad White. I'd rather have Elijah Mitchell over those guys. Okay, so let's go on to the next question. And this is a, a start to tight end league. Where do we value McBride and Watermeyer? You were actually tweeting yesterday that Watermeyer is your tight end one. And so how do you view him going forward into drafts? Or were you in, playing in some of those start to tight end premium leagues? Oh, man. I, we haven't done any tight end premium mocks right now. But Jalen Watermeyer is the tight end one, in my opinion. Um Produced three years at Texas A&M in the SEC. The high school profile, uh, he's big, he's athletic, he's fast, he's going to test well. He's got the, like, the way that Texas A&M used him. Like, he improved so much as a blocker. I know some people that I really trust um, in the in the industry were talking about how much he improved as a, pass blo as a, as a run blocker. And then you throw him out at the slot. He can beat corners, he can beat safeties, he's big. I, I like him a lot. Tight end premium leagues. Uh, highest you know mid second round pick you know I think those guys are I, I don't really what do you get in the premium an extra point for the tight end reception a, a half a point you're looking at Olave versus one of the tight ends you're looking at Tyler Algier versus one of the tight ends and normally it takes those guys a couple of years to hit right the fact that Kyle Pitts did what he did as a as a rookie. I was going to say as a freshman, as a rookie. It just you can't depend on that year after year. Like that just doesn't happen often. Um, yeah, I, I think somewhere in the second round. It's hard for me to say right now because we literally have not done that. But I like Jalen Watermeyer a lot, and you see him for as much as we talk about these running backs and and how high we 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 want to draft those. I've seen McBride and Watermeyer mocked in the first round more than any of the running backs in this class. Like, I've seen those tight ends yep. mocked at the back of the first round more than any running back. Like, I have yet to see Spiller, Hall, or Walker, for the most part, mocked in round one. I've yet to see it. But I've seen Watermeyer to the Packers. I've seen Trey McBride yep. to this, like, it, I don't know. And that draft capital with the tight end, they're probably going to play early as well, right? Are they going to capitalize and seize that opportunity? We don't know, but the process is there. I want athletic tight ends. I want those mismatch nightmares. I think Watermeyer and Trey McBride are my top two guys in the class. Mid-second, I'll take them. Mid to high second. Really? That's higher than I expected. You know, I was thinking, you know, mid-second, late late second for sure. Now, the next question is on um, one of my favorite wide receivers in the NFL, Calvin Ridley, and how do you value him in terms of 2022 first-round picks? Assuming you'd need at least a 2022 first-round pick to get Calvin Ridley. What else would you want? Is that enough? And kind of where, where are you at with Calvin Ridley right now? You said where, uh, like value-wise? Yeah. If you, were, if you wanted to get him for picks, what would you be willing to give up to get Calvin Ridley on your roster? I'd want Traylon, Brees, Isaiah, 
I'd want those three. Like those would be the so three one I'd of want. the top five picks probably in Superflex or one of the yeah, top and, three picks. And you probably could get a little. You probably can get a second back. Like people are still concerned about Ridley, right? People are still concerned about him. Um, if I can trade Jamison Williams for Calvin Ridley, I'd do it. If I could trade Drake London for Calvin Ridley, I'm doing it. If I could trade uh, Kyron Williams, in my opinion, even a Kenneth Walker and probably get Calvin Ridley, I would consider doing that. Um, again, I, I, there's going to be a moment in time where those first-round picks, as bad as people are shitting on the 2022 class, there's going to be a moment in time where everybody wants them. The combine is coming up. These guys are about to run. Like, there's going to be a moment where, where those picks boost up in value. And at that point in time, I'm almost positive you can get Ridley plus for, like, the 105. Ridley plus something for the 104. And if that if I could get Ridley plus, I'm doing that 10 out of 10 times, no doubt, man. Now, Joe sent us a super chat in the in the chat here. So she was asking, what are your thoughts on Jerion Ely now that he seems to be committed to football? Um, I know there was questions about him potentially playing baseball and stuff like that, but he seems to be committed to football. Where are you at with Jerion Ely? Super, we got to get my count the money sounder, man. Joe, thank you. We appreciate the chat. Jerion Ely. Uh, let me tell you, since since she since she did the super chat, I'm gonna tell you where I have Ely, and y'all probably aren't gonna like it, but I'm gonna tell you where I have him graded out. Um, film grades, running back, Jerion Ely. I have him graded out as a 60.35, which puts him as an average backup with some upside. And that's what I think he is. I think that's appropriate, right? At this moment of time. I think Ely is a, I think he's a backup running back with some upside. What what does that some upside mean? Do I think he's going to be a starting running back in the NFL? Absolutely not. I I don't I don't think that's within his range of outcomes. Do I think he could be a solid backup running back that comes in, provides a spark, finds a niche in an offense? Yes. I know the easy comparison is like, and I don't even want to say play style comparison because he's a much better running back in my opinion or let me not say much better because James White was a good running back at Wisconsin but he found a role within New England right he found a role and I think Jerion Ely while not as dynamic as of a receiver as James White I think with the right team with the right offensive coaching staff he's a guy that could lock on and find a nice role in an offense and be that complimentary back where if in a pinch, you can put him in your lineup, put him in, the, put him in as a flex. Um, testing is going to be important for him. I want to see what he measures in at, what he weighs in at. Every time I watched Ole Miss play, I was more gravitated towards Snoop Connor than I was Jerry on Ely. And I wanted to like Ely more because he was the, high, the higher ranked recruit, uh, the more touted prospect. But just looking at, looking at his skill set and what he brings to the table – I think he's he's an average NFL backup with some upside. That's that's where I have him graded out as. And that's not a bad thing, right? Like, all these dudes can't be number one bona fide locked and loaded stars. Like, it's just not going to happen, right? I like a lot of players, and unfortunately it hasn't, you know, I like Keontae Ingram. Keontae Ingram is a backup running back with a little bit of upside in the NFL. Uh, so I, I like Eagley. Don't love him. There are... 12 other running backs in this class I'd prefer to him but if he gets drafted and he for me landing spot what it does it doesn't shift anything drastically for me for the top tier guys but some of those lower tier guys the Jerion Ely's let's just say hypothetically the Chargers draft him right and he's kind of groomed to be that next Austin Eckler type role tethered to Justin Herbert like I'm more inclined to take a shot on that I'm more inclined to take, okay, you know, he wasn't one of my highly rated guys, but he, he hit a good landing spot. There's a potential for him to find a good niche in, the, niche in this offense. Then I'll invest in somebody like Jerry on Ely. But right now, uh, graded out as an average backup with uh, some upside. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And then another question that we got uh, on Twitter was, having Kyron as your RB3, what's the, what's the earliest you'd be willing to draft him? Because, you know, we've been seeing him go mid-second, early second. But even for me, I've been thinking that there's a very good chance he could come up. And I even took him at 111 in one of our mock drafts. Yeah, I would take him. Um, listen, uh, I think 
112 is within his range. 201. One, like, what's going to be big for Kyron is the combine. It's going to be big because he's not going to be big. He's not going to be a very big running back. But I think, again, one of those type of players that his skill set and what he brings to the table, right, the dynamism, the positional versatility to be deployed as a pass-catching weapon out of the backfield, how good he is in pass pro on third downs, um, that's all the want to. That's all attitude. And he's got that, right? And he's a really good rusher between the tackles. He's got good burst. He's got good contact balance. For me, I'm fine drafting him at the back of the first, If it, especially if he goes day three. If I'm not day three, day two. If he's a day two pick, I think he's I think he's back of the first. If he's day two, say Kyron Williams goes to the, in the third round, right? He's drafted in the third round, and David Bell is drafted at the back of the second. I'm taking the running back over the wide receiver. I'm taking Kyron Williams. They both have day two draft capital. The second round for running backs, is the, it's like Jay-Z. 40 is the new 20. Second round is the new first round. Third round is the new second round for running backs. Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, all those guys went in the second round. No issues with the opportunity. If Kyron goes in the third, David Bell goes back in the second. Right now, we're seeing David Bell being drafted at 111-112. I would take Kyron Williams over, over David Bell if, if he got the draft capital on day two. Uh, I He's running back, man. He's going to play. Skill set is going to, he's going to get on the field. I'm not saying he's the Elijah Mitchell of this year, but I promise you, you could cat, write this shit down. What's it? The February the 16th, Kyron Williams goes day two. Kyron Williams is going to matter in fantasy football as a rookie. He's not going to be Isaiah Spiller. He's not going to be Brees Hall, but that's what you want in the second, at the back of the first round, especially when you can get a Jalen Tolbert at wide receiver in the second. You can get Christian Watson. You can get Romeo Dubs. You can get Khalil Shakur. We can, there's a ton of different wide receivers you can get. But once you get that low for the running backs, you're staring at B-Rob territory. You're in sincere McCormick territory. No, thank you. I'd rather Kyron, man. All right, so Jerry in the chat was asking us, what he cha- what do you trade Chase or Higgins, or sorry, Chase for Higgins and two twenty three first. Hell the yes. chat told them absolutely smash accept. You got to do yes. that. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even hear the ch- yes. You said before you even said hell yes. Chase for you get Higgins and two twenty twenty three first. Yes, smash, smash, yes, smash that. What else we got? So next question is our thoughts on James Robinson. Where are you at uh, with James Robinson? We actually uh, just did a startup, and you were shocked how much I was willing to pay up for James Robinson. So it sounds like you're kind of out on him, and I get it, right, from the standpoint of undrafted, not another new coaching scheme who did not draft him, yeah. coming off the Achilles injury, and a very talented running back in Travis Etienne who was ahead of him right now in the depth chart. Sucks, man. I like J-Rob. Thought he earned his opportunity. I thought he was well on his way to earning that that second contract, right? Torn Achilles, tore it kind of late towards the season. Chances of him starting. I'm not a medical professional, so I don't want to talk about the chances of him being ready for the start of the season or not. Uh, but just based on the history of that injury um, and how long it takes the running backs to recover, his game already wasn't predicated on a ton of like, like he wasn't Explosion. like, like he what he was, but not you know what I mean. Like he wasn't Cam Akers level explosive, exactly. right? It's if you have him, what no one's trading anything for him. Um, you just got to ride it out and uh, hope that he retain regains some value. And at that point in time, I'd be trying to move him immediately. I think it's over uh, for J. Rob in in, in Dynasty. Uh, not over for his career. Not saying he won't ever be usable. But the value that he was at at one point in time, I think that's all but gone, man. It's over. Yeah, so now a question about the 104. Given the need and positional scarcity at running back, would it be a mistake to take Kenneth Walker at RB3 instead of taking a Garrett Wilson um, at wide receiver? Let's say, you know, Traylon's gone, Spiller's gone, Hall's gone. You think that taking Walker is a mistake? No, 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 no. I would be taking Walker over the – I don't – I don't know what the what the dislike of Kenneth Walker is. Um, okay, he didn't grade out as my RB3, but he graded out as my RB4. If I walk away, with, and I've said multiple times, the only reason he did, the only, re- like, the, if you look at the PFG grades, it's, what, what is the difference between Kyron, Will- Kyron Williams and Brees Hall? Look at this. Kyron Williams graded out at 71.45. Kenneth Walker, 71.1. Literally, what's that? 0.3. Point four. Point no <laughs> seventy one point four five. 
in 71.1. What, what is that? 0.35. That's 0.35. Yes. You're, you're laughing at me like I don't know math. It's You said 0.4. It's 0.35. Well, well that's another show for another day. <laughs> but they were they were razor thin. They're right. Ne- the only reason Kyron graded out over Kenneth Walker is because of the receiving. That's it. Kenneth Walker, he, he just he, and that's not to say that he can't do it. I just haven't seen it. And I've seen Kyron line up at slot, them throw tunnel screens to him, him do stuff out of the back. That's the only reason. That is it. Like I'm looking at it. If I give if I give Kenneth Walker like he got a four in receiving versatility and Kyron got a nine. I give Kenneth Walker a seven there and he grades out higher than Kyron Williams. Uh, I don't know why I don't know why there's so much I guess sourness to Kenneth Walker. I think he might be just the best pure rusher in this class. And we didn't see a lot of running backs catch the ball. That doesn't mean they can. I'm I'm still in on Walker. Anybody let if y'all are letting Kenneth Walker slip in rookie drafts, I think that's a mistake. It very well, and we keep talking about it. We, uh, Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, Kenneth Walker could hear his name called first at at the running back position come come draft uh, draft night. Yeah, absolutely, and I and I said it on the Kenneth Walker breakdown. I'm gonna be watching very closely at the combine to see how he looks compared to some of these guys that are supposed to be good pass catchers. And if he looks fine, then I'd be much more willing to take him. Um, but it's gonna come down to is how does he look in those drills at the combine. Now, people are talking about it in the chat. We've got this question asked before, but where are you at with Tyler Beatty? Um, because he jumps out analytically and thoughts on his role and potential in the NFL. I know you got your grades up. Have you graded out Tyler Beatty and where are you yeah, at with him right the, now? Yeah, I got all the running backs graded out. I mean, here are the running backs that I have ahead of him. Let's, and I'm not even going to go to the top guys. Abram Smith, Jerome Ford, Kevin Harris, Brian Robinson, Ja'Shawn Corbin, Zamir White, Ty Chandler, Tyler Algier, uh, Damian Pierce, Donovan Knight, Rashad White, and then the top four guys. Um, if 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 he becomes Naheem Hines, if that's what he becomes, that's a win. Like if, if Tyler Beatty could become that, that's a win. Other than that, what? Nah, man. Like... <laughs> Other than that, that that that's it. You're you're hoping for Naheem Hines. Uh, what did he measure in at the Senior Bowl? He was a little dude, man. He was he was not a very big running back, like five eight, five seven, one ninety something, five seven, two hundred. I think yeah, I think he was two hundred at the Senior Bowl. Um, I don't hate him. It just what what he's 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 a complimentary guy. Joe says I, you hate him. So I don't hate him. I don't hate Tyler Bate. Ba- is it Beatty or Batty? I don't hate him. Man. I don't know. I've heard it both ways, and I don't know who's right. Here, look at her using my. I trust my eyes. I get it. He's, he's just. A, <laughs> he's fine. He's fine. He's Naheem Hines at best, right? Like he's Naheem Hines at best. So that's fine. Like if that's. You're not. We're not getting JTs in this class, right? And every year you just. Yeah. He, he's another one of those guys where he's going to be drafted on day three. Here's the thing. He's going to be drafted on day three. So we just talked about draft capital, right? Day three running backs. I'm starting to look at situation. Is he going to go to a team? If Tyler Beatty goes to damn Tennessee, like I have no interest. Like what are they going to do with him? Like based on what they've done, like I, I don't want it. If he goes to, I'm just throwing it out there. He goes to New England, right? He goes oh. to New England. Maybe there's a role for Tyler Beatty, and he's one of those guys you can get in the third round of your rookie drafts, and uh, I, I'm going to draft him. If he's sitting there in the middle of the third, I'm taking shots on all those running backs and just betting that they get an opportunity, and then what I'm doing is I'm immediately flipping him to Joe. I'm saying, oh, you love Tyler Beatty? You like that he's thick? You like his calves? You got a little bit of opportunity? Give me a second rounder in 2023, and you could have my Tyler Beatty. That's what I do with those guys. Every, and, and people were doing that with Elijah Mitchell this year. As soon as he started playing, uh, sell him for a second, sell him for a second. Well, now his value is much more than that now because he's set the rookie running back record for Frisco. He's locked in as the guy. But Tyler Beatty does anything of significance early in his career, I am trading him immediately because I don't believe he's going to have the same – his story is going to end the same as like Elijah Mitchell. Okay, so Devonta Smith, where oh, would gosh. you rank him amongst – wide receivers in this draft class and would you trade him for the 109 or would you prefer him over the 109 oh yeah that's that's easy i definitely prefer him over the 109 um cornerstone rankings right now 
Yeah, Cornerstone Rankings, patreon.com forward slash prospect. All these answers, y'all are, all these questions y'all are asking me, uh, they're here. Patreon. All you, all you have to do is pay $7 to get them. But Devonta Smith, here are the wide receivers that are in his tier from 2022. Jamison Williams, Garrett Wilson, uh, the wide receivers from this class that I have above, Devontae Smith, Traylon Burks, and Drake London. So that's where he would slot in amongst the 2022 guys. Right there with nice. right there with J Mo, right there with Garrett Wilson. Uh he's right in that he's right in that tier with those guys. George Pickens, they're all in the same type of tier. But again, now the Devonta, Devonta Smith was drafted number ten overall. Like he's and he got the opportunity. A lot of people look at Devonta the fact that he had nine hundred and something receiving yards in that offense is ridiculous. On that and team? Had, and me and Matt Kelly talked about it. He was top. 10 in air yards at wide receiver, over 1,400 air yards. That's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like, if Jalen Hurts can get it together just a little bit, I mean, he's locked and loaded, 1,200-yard uh, wide receiver this rookie season, Devontae Smith. Like, he, had, he there was another 300 yards left on the table from Jalen Hurts, and we looking at him very differently in Dynasty uh, but, like, I think he was, like, top seven in the NFL in air yards of all the wide receivers. So, very much in on Smitty, man. Very much in. All right. From the chat, Lance or Deshaun Watson and a 23 first? Man. <laughs> you love yourself some Lance. I do. But, man, what? knowing what we know about Watson now, I think he's going to play somewhere. That's a that's did a his tough, time. That's a tough. Well, I don't I don't know what he did. I don't know if he did his time or not. But if he's gonna play, I'd prefer Deshaun Watson in the first. That that's that's real risky. That those are those, it's those risky for some, sure. That's that's risky, man. That's risky. But I I would probably take Deshaun Watson in the first. Yes. And then the last question: Do you use a French press or a coffee machine for your coffee in the morning? Tell the people about your coffee experience every morning. What's what's a French press? Oh clearly God! I don't, you know, clearly, I don't. You don't use know what a French press, press is? No, man. Oh I'm man, it's Texas. where you it's we where you it's that. where you pour the grinds into the French press and then you literally press it like you pour oh, no, like I the got, grinds in. I ain't got enough, got enough time for that. That it. sounds good though. That coffee is good. good. We went to Hawaii and they had one of those, and it just <laughs> the coffee hit different, man. The coffee hit that different. Good. But I use a, I've got a Nespresso machine, so uh, it's the Nespresso is really really good. Yeah, yeah. Somebody said I'm uncultured. Jesus, Gary. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. Shut I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, uh, send me your send me your PO box. I'll send you one. Y'all are wild. Is that it? We're done. We're done. That's it, man. That's somebody, it. Somebody, somebody in the YouTube comments ripped my ass because I said I didn't want to take any more questions the other day because I wanted to work out. And he's like, <laughs> you should, you should be honored that people want to ask you anything. Uh, I appreciate all of you. Like, like real talk, though. I pre Nah, man. I, hey, I upgraded from the K cups. I use the circle ones now. The Nespresso. I gotta order those. And we recycle. We are a big recycling household over here. They send you little baggies to recycle the uh, the coffee pods, man. But the Nespresso leaves a nice crema on top. I just love it. It's it's delicious. It's good. It sounds good. It looks cool. I use the milk frother and do my 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 coffee creations. Neither here nor there. Chat mock draft yeah, tomorrow. Does Wait, anybody but, happen to work for an espresso? Maybe we can send them that clip and see what they think about it. Oh, we got one more. Super chat. Oh, uh-oh. Jay, you oh, are man. Jay, you got $15 today, bro. I don't know what you're going to do with that Canadian money, uh, but you I got actually 15 just, bucks. I just spent a lot of money, so I could use that $15 if we're being honest. Okay, well, you got it today. So Captain Couch says, would you trade 107 and 109 for the 102? Is that paying too much? Yes, I I wouldn't do it. Yeah, keep hold hold tight at one hundred seven, one hundred nine. You'll you'll get Kenneth Walker. Maybe you'll get Isaiah Spiller, and then you'll still land uh, top wide Drake London, JMO, JMO, or a quarterback. Yeah, or a quarterback. Yeah, hold that. Don't do that. Don't do that, man. Don't do that. All right. Um. Yeah. Tomorrow, we are going to. It's probably going to be a cluster. You know what? But we are going to try to do this one QB mock with you all tomorrow. So. Jay, what uh, you want to post the link at like what, like seven fifty, six fifty? So what? So what I'll do, right, is 
I'll make the stream today, so it'll be up there, and I will put the sleeper link at the top of the description, probably around half an hour before the show starts. People can join maybe 20 minutes before. So if you do want to be on the show, if you want to be a part of the mock, go to the show early, find the link, we'll post it on Twitter, and then go join the mock. And once everyone's in, I'll start the draft before we start the show, hopefully. That way, by the time we start, we got people making picks. We'll be going through them, roasting everybody. Have a good time. But yeah, so go to the description okay. of the YouTube video for tomorrow, and the sleeper link will be there just before the show. So everyone is bitching about one QB now. Last a week ago, I was getting ripped. It was going to be one QB. Well, now we got it. Okay, so we'll do this. We'll do two two round mocks. We'll do one oh, super God. flex. No, because I want everybody. Everybody in here be talking that trash, man, about Malik stinks and Kenny Pickett sucks. We're gonna do a super. We're gonna do it one super flex mock and one single quarterback mock. We're gonna do one of each simultaneously. This is okay. This, this show. This is bound to go wrong. It's gonna go. Something's gonna happen. But we're gonna have a super flex link and a single quarterback link. And yes, we're making you wake up even earlier. I'm sorry. All the West Coast people are going to be like, this is bullshit. I don't get to participate. But we will drop one QB for the Stone Age Dynasty Leaguers and then Superflex mock for people who are here in the 20, is it the 21st century still? Yes, sir. Uh, the 21st still. century. What's? Oh, yeah, because 20, it's been, no. It's not until it's not till 2100 20. that we are in the 23rd century. A century is 100 years. Wait a minute. If we're in the 21st century now, in 2100, wouldn't that be the 22nd century, not 23rd? I don't know how that works. You but you I just know said, that it's, it's not the 20th the, century. I know that. Well, how do we go from 21st century to 23rd century? We just skip a, We skip the 22nd century? Look, I, I didn't come up with the name. I didn't, I didn't invent the nomenclature. No. I just Dude. know that it's not it's you the 21st are, century for whatever reason because we're going from 20 to 21. I get Maybe that. it's called 21. It's Jay, I, like here before we get out of here, we got to clarify. I hear Listen, what you're man. saying, but it's just I didn't come up with the system. I didn't. I'm not talking about a system. You're saying we're in the 21st century when 20 yes. 2100 comes around. Yes. How does it go from the 21st century to the 23rd century? Where's the 22nd century? Oh, it's the 22nd century. century. That's, Th my, that's, that's there we, then it's my bad. Thank you. That's we're clear. Okay. 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 Whoo! All right, y'all. Tomorrow, Mox, we got it. Y'all have a great day. We are out of here. We gotta go. We out. We love you. Jump, jump up early tomorrow. We out. Peace.